I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of GreenRope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fetchback, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Hey, do you know for or work for a really great executive? I'm talking about somebody who really stands out to you, who means the world to you, who has pushed you to be a better, uh, not only just employee, but a better person in life. We would love to be able to have a conversation with them. Send me an email, chris at highlevelwisdom.com and tell me all about the CEO who you think should join the folks that we've been interviewing right here on this show. Yes, it's your opportunity not only to nominate somebody, but tell us why they are a great person. We would love to be able to have a conversation and see if they would be a great fit for High Level Wisdom. Again, my email, chris at highlevelwisdom.com, and I look forward to seeing who you want on this show. Hey, do you want to actually advertise on this platform? I mean, yeah, right here with me on a great platform as we talk to hundreds of executives and talking to the world of next generation millennial CEOs and executives. What do you think? You think your spot could go right here? Well, why don't you send me an email? Info at highlevelwisdom.com. Tell us what you're looking to be able to share, what you want to promote, whether it's your product, your service, or your business. And we will have a conversation with you about giving you an opportunity to share with the world what it is you do right here on High Level Wisdom. Looking forward to talking with you soon. Don't forget to send me an email, chris at highlevelwisdom.com. At dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop. Or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. dollarseed.com. What could be healthier? All right, to everyone listening out there, I got to ask you a question. If you knew that a home decor or furnishing purchase would ultimately help families caring for sick children, would you want to know more? Well, my friends at thetrendyspace.com are doing just that. They call it Warming Hearts by Warming Homes, and they're asking for us to swing over into their website, browse for some trendy home decor, check out, and in doing so, support families caring for sick children. See, the trendy space is committed to donating a portion of proceeds towards helping less fortunate families. You'll find hundreds of beautiful, trendy home decor and furnishing items at the trendy space site. But what makes them different is they believe no home decor could ever truly warm a home enough when there's a sick child in the family. So please check them out today. I want you to use the promo code WISDOM. That's right, promo code WISDOM at checkout and get 15% off your entire order just for being my appreciated listener. Go to thetrendyspace.com right now. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another great day. Welcome to another great, awesome week. Welcome to another great episode of High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Listen, um, today is a great day. Uh, we have some incredible things that we are doing. I hope that you are uh, doing things at a high level, as I always say. 
And today, what I believe is probably a, a great way to uh, introduce uh this next guest is someone who truly believes that people can grow. Uh, he truly believes in finding your passion, living your purpose and making an impact. And not only has he been a business coaching consultant, he's also been in acting. Um, he helps people get crystal clear on their deeper purpose and vision for their ideal work. This gentleman also has done some incredible things, uh, building a seven figure business in 18 months. He has a global platform. He's published a book. Uh, he has been able to coach and consult with uh, top Fortune 500 CEOs and executives uh, around the country and around the world. And I am talking about none other than Derek Rydall. Um, I, I thought that having someone like Derek being able to uh, have him on the show was was going to be a, a great, great opportunity. Uh, he reached out to us and uh, we looked at, you know, a couple of the different things that his company does and what he does. And I had an opportunity to kind of look into uh, his information. And I just thought, man, what a great person, what a great perspective who can give us ideas and advice. So I want you to sit back, relax and hear my interview with none other than Derek Rydell, business coach, CEO, and a man who is after seeing change in the world. Take a listen. Derek, how are you today? I am doing awesome, man. You know, my, I have, I've actually lowered my definition of success to just two words, so I will always have a great day. <laughs> and my two words are above ground. So if I wake up, it's a great day. It can That's only right. go up from there, right? <laughs> no, but right. I'm doing great. Life is good. You know, it's it's amazing to be able to share these things and connect with people in a deeper way and help people live a more successful life. So I'm doing what I love. How could it get better than that? Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, you know, I, it's, I'm curious as, as to, you know, as we start this conversation in today, you know, give everyone kind of an understanding of just your background. Um, let's let's kind of start at the beginning. Before you're, you're, you're Derek, the, the guy that, you know, people see now in publications, let's go before that. Let's talk about yeah. the you before, you know, all of the different things showed up. Talk to us about that journey. Where were you as an individual contributor? What was your work life like? What, what kind of things were going on? Let's, let's take our people back to where you were and then we'll start talking about kind of what got you to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I'll say is, yeah, I mean, I grew up with a, a successful business father. I don't. I know we weren't planning to go that far back, but um, the interesting thing about it was um, we had so little understanding of each other. I used to joke, you know, he thought Pearl Jam was something you put on toast, and I thought Dow Jones was his business partner, Mr. Jones. So, uh, you know, the uh, so you know it was a very interesting thing, and eventually I kind of rejected that whole side and kind of went more the artistic philosophical route until I had a family and had a mortgage and was like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I uh, how do I build a real business? How do I be a real leader in the world? And that began my journey of you know, a lot of, a lot of developing, understanding what it really takes to be successful in the world in a real way, but also bringing a lot of the philosophical and, and deeper understandings about how life works in general, not just how business or success works. But I had an also really difficult journey leading up to that. You know, I tried for many, many years to crack the code, to figure this stuff out. And, uh, after, 
over a decade of all kinds of self-improvement, the only thing I'd improved was my ability to describe why my life was so messed up. <laughs> so I got really good at telling you why nothing was working, but things were still not working. And for me, that was a very, very painful journey that led to... Derek, how are you today? Addicted to drugs and alcohol, almost dying from an overdose. Mm. And it took me nearly dying for a second time, drowning um, in a, uh, when I went diving in a reef, to finally kind of crack open and realize that the way I was going about things wasn't the right way, that there was, I was striving and pushing so hard to succeed and achieve. And it was creating even a deeper sense of inadequacy and frustration. And my self-worth was plummeting because it was so completely connected to outer results. Hmm. And in this second experience, which you could almost say was like a, a near-death experience, I had uh, an awareness, an expanded awareness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in, they call, in Japanese, I mean, they call it a satori. But I had this experience, and I saw that this guy that I was trying to strive and struggle and push and achieve um, was a fictional character, that it was really an amalgamation of peer pressure, societal conditioning, parental fantasy, and that nothing I ever did was going to make him enough. And that, in fact, a lot of what I was doing was creating most of the resistance to who I naturally was and what my real potential was from unfolding um, with a greater ease in my life. And that led me on a big journey. I actually pulled out of society and was going to become a monk. Wow. And uh, that didn't work out too well. My first week in a monastery, fasting and silence and all that, I freaked out so badly that I broke into the monk's kitchen in the middle of the night. Oh, <laughs> And stole food out of their refrigerator. So oh, oh, um, wow. don't, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but um, I've since then become an avid meditator and all that, um, which, by the way, we'll talk about this probably. Um, many of the top CEOs and hedge fund managers and leaders of industry, politics, you name it, are, are very much aware of the value and not only the value, but for them, the necessity of deeper contemplation, self-reflection, self-improvement, meditation, all of that including like Ray Dalio, who's the number one hedge fund manager in the world with a net worth of about 15 billion himself. So, so anyway, so that led me on this journey, though, to begin to understand that my picture of how to succeed in the world was very narrow and very limited. And eventually I began to understand what had happened to me and, and put together the pieces of this, uh, I guess you could call it an awakening uh, what it really meant, because it really did change me. The guy that got finally out of that 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 uh, coral reef that survived was not the guy that swam into it. Wow. It was like hum Humpty Dumpty had fallen off the wall, and there was no putting him back together again. Wow. So I had to figure out what was this new me that was emerging? What were these new insights that I knew were real, but I didn't understand them? And that eventually, as I applied the principles that I was discovering – and then went back and studied some of the greatest success literature and philosophies of, of all time, all the way back to, you know, ancient texts, all the way forward to, you know, the most successful ones in the modern times. I found what I would call the perennial principles, hmm. perennial truth principles for successful living, personally and professionally. And that eventually then led me to go from being broke and broken. I was literally suicidal. And living off 19 cents box of macaroni and cheese in a one room apartment to ultimately building a seven figure business, traveling the world, uh, you know, living in 
million dollar, multi-million dollar homes, all that stuff. And, um, and then eventually working for like many big fortune 500 companies as a consultant and then Academy award winners and producers and actors. And, um, uh, and then ultimately for thought leaders or aspiring thought leaders and leaders in multiple industries, which is what I do now and, and releasing, you know, writing books and creating stuff that, uh, and consulting with people at a very high level. And that's what brings me to what I've you know, been doing now for, for several years and, and my first book, Emergence, which was all about that original insight. And, you know, now I have a new one coming out. It's more about how to sustain and create abundance in a world that is so volatile and so uncertain, right. even in, in corporate America. You yeah. know, and we know the whole idea that you're guaranteed anything, even a gold watch is completely right. gone now. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and you really have to be your own leader, your own boss, and in a sense, have your own company, even when you're in a company. Yeah. And and, and be an entrepreneur, even while you're in the C-suite. You know, to yeah. some extent, because because we live in a world now where things are changing so rapidly. I know you'll probably will probably get into this. Yes. And that is the new norm. It's not going to stop being. In fact, change is going to just increase, and we're going to discover that what we've been leaning on and relying on. It's like shifting sand. Hmm. I think I think we talked about this actually when we first talked before doing this, which is there's a hierarchy of knowledge and, you know, from data, which is streaming across the bottom of MSNBC. And and and, then, and a lot of people do rely on that. And then right. that turns into information, which is a little slower, but also is changing on a daily basis. That becomes knowledge, which is a little slower, used to be what we thought was the real thing and we could lean on it. But now what we used to consider knowledge is changing sometimes in a matter of a couple of years. And then you go to wisdom. And of course you're all about wisdom. That's right. And, um, and wisdom is much slower, but even wisdom, common knowledge and common wisdom is changing. And um, what used to be considered wisdom in business or wisdom in medical or wisdom in whatever politics it's some of that is also changing. And then you go up one more notch and there's principle mm-hmm. and principles never change. Right. You might have a deeper understanding of the principle or a larger paradigm that includes it, but principles don't change and they're not personal. So it doesn't matter what the economy is. It doesn't matter what your, your gender is, your age is, your race, your color, your creed. When you understand and apply a principle, it must work. It's like if you've been sinking every time you went into water all your life, somebody teaches you the principle of buoyancy and shows you how to align your body to be in alignment with that principle. The principle of buoyancy in the water can't say, well, I'm afraid you've been sinking most of your life. It's going to take a long, long time or maybe never. You come from a long line of sinkers. So no, it has to operate the minute you come into integrity with it. So that's what I began to discover, that there are principles and when you build your life and your habits and your business on principles like that, then you don't have to worry about the stock ticker changing every day right. or right. or the strategies and tactics that change every right. month, year, or the next new business you know agenda where they bring in a new consultant with a whole new trendy thing on how to you know re-engineer right size, downsize, upsize, whatever they're going to do to it. You you can begin to really build your business, build your life on principles. Now you're building it more and more on solid right. ground, and that's, 
that's what allowed me to grow to where I am today. So I want to kind of dive into that because yeah. there's, there's, there's the portion of what you just talked about going from, you know, data to information to knowledge and all the way up the ranks, right? There, there's right. a portion of that that is, um, what, we, what I would call the, the touchy feely side of things, right? That a lot sure. of people, and I've been exploring this and this is probably a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but I've been exploring this idea about how so many of us, um, uh, attribute our success in a corporate career to how much we can actually remove the personhood from the deliverables, right? We act like our personal life doesn't matter and we're just going to show up and just do, 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 do. (laughs) And, and then everything will be fine. And it's like, well, wait a minute, but you know, you're, you know, you just, cause you're spending 16 hours a day at your office doesn't make you a success. That's right. Because you're, you're the one who, opens and closes doesn't make you a lot more efficient that, you know, there, there's, there's all these different pieces, but what I want to dive into based on what you said is let's break it down because there's a difference between a, someone who's seeking to become a leader one day who might be an individual contributor day. And there's a difference on that journey for the current executive who's seeking to just be, either a better executive and or a better person, which really should be kind of one in the same, but you right. know, for, for, for purposes of just the conversation today, I think they're, they're separate. So let's talk, um, let's start with the emerging. It's a leader. good conversation. Yeah. Let, let's start with the emerging leader. And I want to, I want to start with, you know, let's talk about that, that, that 25 to 34 year old millennial mm-hmm. who, who is the individual contributor right now. When you think about that person who's saying, you know what? I see myself eventually, you know, becoming a a leader, but quite honestly, I don't really like how my leader leads right now. Yeah. So I want to be one, but I don't want to do it the way they did it. Right. What things would you thank God? Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's why you're, that's why things evolve. Exactly. Along with the more expanding vision. Exactly. So, so, you know, share, share a little bit about like what advice, would you just give to someone who is sitting in that sort of space and they know they want to be a leader, but right now they're just an individual contributor. They do what they do every day and they go home, but they're saying, you know what? I, I want to be in that space. And, yeah. and, and they, but they want to be a better leader than the one that's leading them. If that Absolutely. makes sense, right? Like totally. What, what type of advice would you give them? So there's so much here. The first thing I would remove the word, I'm just a contributor, the just part. Um, I would remove all ideas that all phrases that make you put you in a position of being a victim of or being at the effect of somebody else's actions. That's not only completely um, uh, disempowering, it's actually principally speaking false. Hmm. And even Stephen Covey, you know, many of you might know who Stephen Covey was. If you don't, you should. Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, very, very powerful leadership stuff. Um, he talks about a thing he calls the trim tab. And the trim tab is a principle that, you know, on, on a big boat or even a big plane, there's the flaps and you raise and lower the flaps or you turn the rudder and that causes the boat to turn. Right. But what people don't understand is that that giant rudder on this giant boat through that massive volume of water can't turn on its own very easily. So it has a trim tab, which begin, which is a smaller rudder that turns and allows the bigger one to turn. 
So it's really the small little rudder that's causing this massive boat to turn. And so oftentimes when we're in a situation and we're just a contributor, um, even if you're a, you know, in the C-suite on some level, you might, maybe not the chief, you know, executive officer, but even then, to, based on the economy in the world, you can often feel like you're at the whim of and you're at the effect of. And, um, and understanding the trim tab principle is that you, when you think you're at the effect of something, you move into being more interested and focused on circle of concern. Circle of concern is this large circle of all this stuff happening and you don't like it, you think it's wrong, you judge it, you think it should be different, you gossip, you complain, it's around the water cooler, whatever. And then there's the circle of influence, which is smaller. And that's the area in which you actually can make a difference. Mm. You actually can make an impact and a contribution. Now, if you focus, if you're like, I'm just a contributor and I don't like what the boss is doing, you now are focused more on the big circle, which you have no impact. Your circle of concern will get bigger but your circle of influence will get smaller. Mm -hmm. Now, if you reverse that and focus on your circle of influence, your circle of concern gets smaller, your circle of influence gets bigger. Okay, so that's a principle. Now, I've done this, and by the way, improved it over and over, not in just business, but in every area of my life, whether it's a relationship you're in that's not working, a job you're in that's not working, um, you know, a, a home, an environment, whatever. The natural human tendency is to focus on the stuff you can't really control, feel bad, feel sad, get mad, be reactionary, etc. And instead, and then you're not really growing and filling out and fully activating your potential right where you've been planted. And if you were if you were a plant, let's just anthropomorphize a plant for a minute, and you're in a little pot, and there's a bigger pot and a bigger pot and a bigger pot, and then the field. And you're like, oh, I want to be in the field, man. Look at how big those trees are and how awesome they are and how much freedom they have and fruit they have. And you just keep folk. Why don't I get to be in a bigger pot? Why am I not in the field? Look at the way the gardener's doing all that. That gardener doesn't know what he's doing or she's doing, you know. But meanwhile, you're in this little pot and you're not filling it out. What's going to happen? You're going to stay in that little pot. That's right. But if you go, okay, here's the pot I got. Here's the dirt I got. Here's what I've got. Let me dig my roots as deep down as I can. Let me spread my branches as broad and as high as I can. Let me maximize what I've got to fill this space out until it's overflowing. Then what's going to happen? The gardener is going to plant you, replant you in a bigger pot. Automatically, it's a principle. Mm. And you keep doing that, and eventually you'll be one of the big trees in the field. And so this is, again, this is why I say principle. What I just described to you has nothing to do with age, gender, sexual preference, or, 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 or industry, or anything. Absolutely. And, and again, I've done this in relationships I, and helped clients do it to, get in a, to, to grow themselves into a better relationship in the one they don't like or out of it into the one they deserve or in jobs from hell where they were hating the job and feeling disempowered to growing to be leaders or – developing their character and their competency because they use that as a weight room for their own development to grow out of that job into the job of their dreams. So whatever the, or, or a house apartment, little apartment, they wanted that their dream house, this principle works across the board. So this is why it's so important to work on principle. You got to look where you're at. Now to do this, there's a few things you need to have. The first thing is you need to have vision. You need to have a vision for your life. 
as it says in Proverbs, one of the ancient philosophical texts, whether you believe it or not, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. And so most people have bigger flat screen TVs than they do a vision for their life. Mm, that's, wow. <laughs> and that's, that's not that a one is definitely going to be tweeted out. Uh, that will be all over social media. I promise you on that one. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. So, and, and the reason is, is in most people's, even people that have goals, only about three to 5% of people ever even have goals or write them down. That's right. Um, and then, and then even less ever make an actual plan in a vision or goals without a plan is, is a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then even less ever put it on an actual calendar and make sure they work on these things. And that's wishful thinking. So, so you have to have a vision for your life. And, and that means you have to get in touch with who, what are your real core values? Not as a reaction to the world, not as a reaction to your boss, although you can use that. What don't I like? What don't I want? What angers me? What saddens me? To discover, well, what do I like? What Mm -hmm. do I want? What do I want to stand for, represent? What is the difference I want to make in the company, in the world, in my life? Who? What is the kind of character I want to be? And you can also look at the top 10 people you most admire in the world, past or present, you know, in any area, by the way, not just business. And if you do that, if you look at those people that really move you the most, whether it's Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, uh, Abraham Lincoln, a Gandhi, whatever it is, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., whatever it is, you look at these individuals that you admire, that you think are amazing, or maybe even beyond you, and you break down what are the constituent qualities of their character. What is it about their story that moves you? What is it about their, their actions that move you? Break it down into their, their qualities of character and attributes and competencies. And what you've just done is actually defined more closely what is your emerging character okay. and potential. This is, a, again, this is a principle. And, they, and they, one of the metaphors for this is, and this is a psychological principle, because whatever pushes or pulls you is a projection of your own unintegrated potential. Okay. Otherwise it wouldn't move you either way. Hmm. So if it pushes your buttons or if it makes you aspiring, it's a projection. And so like if you have a bunch of violins in an orchestra pit, you strike a violin on stage, particular note, they'll all vibrate to that same note. If you remove that string from all those violins, you could strike that note all day long they're not going to vibrate to that note. They don't contain it. Interesting. So, so you, you can do this as a way, because a lot of people go, well, I don't know what my vision is. I want to make a lot of money and be the chief executive officer. I want to make, create my own company and sell it for millions or billions. Right. <laughs> right? And that's okay as a starting point. Mm-hmm. But there's more to you than that. Right. So you right. got to have a vision. That's yeah. number one. You got to have a vision. Go ahead. Did you have a question? About I, I was going to say, so yeah, I, I like where you're going with this, because one of the things I want to be able to do uh, in this conversation today is... Yeah. I want to make sure that we, we, we talk to, uh, two different groups here. Mm-hmm. There's the emerging millennial, right? Who, who knows, right? They already probably have been tapped on the shoulder that knows you're next, right? You're the okay. next executive. You're the next leader, right? They're already being groomed. There's also the baby boomer who also knows yeah. I'm on the way out. Right. I might be the executive today, but I'm not looking to stay here until I hit the coffin. Some might, you know, some, it depends yeah. on wh- where they are. Right. 
but but yeah. some of them know the importance of grooming the next tier of leaders. And so I, wa- I want to make sure that we, we frame this conversation in, in, that, in that space. So so continue down the path. But definitely yeah. I want to yeah. make sure that, you know, for for the emerging millennial who might be listening to this and trying to figure yeah. out, well, how does this apply to, to, to what I'm trying to do and where I'm headed, knowing that I'm headed for an executive position, you know, help help them frame what you what you where you're going with this. Because this is this is really, Absolutely. really good. Absolutely. And this is the great thing about principles. It doesn't matter if you're a millennial or you're a baby boomer. That's right. If you still if you if you breathe into a mirror and it fogs up, you still have a vision to live here. Right. You still have a mission to do here. Maybe you're not gonna work for this company forever. Maybe you'll start your own company. Who knows? But but as long as you're anywhere, you have an opportunity to apply this principle of bringing more and more of you to bear. And so, so the first thing you have to have is a vision. Again, whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, you have to have a vision for your life. What is the life you still want to be creating? What is the message, the mission, the impact, the difference, whatever, for yourself, for your children, for your legacy? There's always a vision that's emerging, always the next level, the next level. So that's the first step. But then here's the difference where my work with what I call emergence really comes to bear. And that is that in nature, in every seed in nature, so there's nothing woo-woo about this. It's a natural principle. It's the principle of emergence. The, the idea, the pattern, the potential of the tree is already in the seed. Mm-hmm. It's already there. Um, it's not an empty seed that has to go out and figure itself out or achieve a tree or <laughs> attract or manipulate or navigate or try to pull together all the pieces of a tree and build a tree. The tree is already there. And when the conditions in the environment are a match, are in integrity with, are congruent with that internal pattern, its potential naturally emerges. This is natural. We're designed the same way. We are a part of nature. We are an animal by nature, as well as perhaps being also an angel. There's a transcendent and an imminent part to us. Um, But we follow these same principles. We, you know, just as a business shows up as an answer to a need, you showed up here as an, as an answer to some need in the world. You're not an accident. You're not an empty shell with nothing in it that you got to go fill up. There is something driving you. Right. And your deepest desires, aspirations, passions are a signal to that. So you, so that, that's where you begin to tap into the vision. But then in order for that vision to come to fruition in a way that's imbalanced, not in, imbalanced, but in balance, is you have to become congruent with it. You have to live in a, in a level of integrity with it. So once you know what the vision is, let's say it's to be running the company and making a difference in the industry in this way and this kind of impact with the constituents or the world or whatever it is, and having a beautiful lifestyle with all the accoutrements of that, and you describe that vision and all that, then you ask yourself, if I was living that, who would I be then? All right. How would I feel? How would I show up? What would my habits be? What would I be doing on a daily basis? What would I, how would I be showing up on a daily basis? How would I be feeling? What would my habits of thinking be? There's very different thought habits of a leader of a big company or of, or of anything than the one that thinks they're just a contributor. Right. There's very different emotional habits of a leader than there is if they're a good leader, if they're not just burning themselves out as a, and everything else is falling apart in their right. life, there are very different mental, emotional, physical habits 
of an individual at different stages. And the same thing if you're an entrepreneur, what got you to make six figures will not get you to seven figures, not just the strategies, but who you are. Right. So, right. so you identify, okay, if I was living that vision, what would my habits of thinking, feeling, being, and doing be? Yeah. And here's the awesome thing. Then you can reverse engineer that and begin to practice and show up like that plant in that little pot to that job you don't like, to that boss you don't like, to that family that's struggling, whatever. And bring that, practice right. that, like it's your workout, yeah. and these are the different weights you're lifting and doing a rep every time. And and then what will happen is you'll develop that character. Mm-hmm. You'll develop ca- capacities and competencies and um, strength and courage and resilience and stamina and all these muscles you didn't even know you had. And then by natural principle, you will be recognized, you will be rewarded, your life will unfold to the next level. And Stephen Covey actually does talk about this with the trim tab example. There was an example of one company he was working in, and there was the leader who wasn't doing things the way people liked, and nobody liked him, and they were, you know, they gossip about him and commiserate around the coffee pot about how bad he was running the business, blah, blah, blah. And there was one guy who had different ideas and a vision, but he approached it very differently. He just began to show up and do the best he could. And then when an opportunity arose, he might share an idea. He began to find out what does this leader need and began to go a little, go the extra mile and bring him a little extra stuff, found a clipping of an ad article or whatever, just kept adding value, adding value, adding value, would not participate in the gossip, in the complaining, just kept bringing his excellence, bringing his creativity, sharing his ideas and adding value. And at some point, there was a meeting where they're in this meeting with everybody and there was just this contributor over there off to the side and the leader stopped and looked over to him and said, what do you think? Now that hadn't happened at all. And I get chills when I think about it because this is the power of it. And he's, everybody's like, looking, why are you asking this guy over here? He's <laughs> right. just a contributor, right? And he's like, what do you think? And the guy was like, well, and he articulated something very clear. Now, why was he able to do that? Because he wasn't wasting his time gossiping, complaining, commiserating. He was refining, defining, developing his thoughts, his ideas, his competencies, his capacities. So when it was his moment, that's right. He was ready. That's right. Right? Luck plus preparation equals success. That's right. And then what happened? Eventually he became the he got promoted. He became the leader's right hand man. Eventually was part of the uh, you know, ultimately went on to I don't know if he ended up running the company, but he became very close, second in command right. and maybe went off to start his own. Right. But that's a literal practical example, whether you're a millennial or whatever your age right. is, if you, you, if know, you can practice. And, and, and you bring up a good point because one of the things I just recently uh, did this as a quote because it hit me over the weekend and I've been I've been kind of stuck in this mode. Uh, you know, I don't know about other people. I don't know why, but it's like when I get in the shower sensory deprivation works. Yeah. And then all of yeah. a sudden I get these things, these thoughts that run across my brain and I'm going, yeah. Oh, that was good. And so I, I actually posted it uh, this week and it was, um, it was literally just an impression that I got around. Uh, I think I wrote it down and it says, um, you'll never know how truly uh, strong you are until you get under the right weight. And yes. so to your point, of, you know, mm-hmm. working out in the gym or, you know, like you said, that person, you know, in, in the story that Stephen Covey told, you know, it was they were working a muscle way yes. before they were ever going to be in that room. Yes. And so yes. they were prepared for that particular <clears throat> moment where the wait for them was him throwing the question. 
Right. And now you can actually, you know, be present and be able to give a thoughtful answer as opposed to kind of stumbling because you haven't really invested in preparing for that moment. And so so for me, it's one of those things that I think that um, um, is not easy. Right. Because I I talk to I talk to a lot of leaders. And one of the things I I got this recently, Uh, I was talking to a leader about, you know, leadership and and the emerging millennials becoming, you know, filling those gaps in the C-suites. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about a little later in this conversation is, is, you know, I see a lot of companies struggling to transfer that institutional knowledge downline, right? And why, you know, so I want to be able to talk about that and kind of get your purview. But one of the things that I, I noticed was that in a talking to this leader and they said, you know, one of the things we got to remember is just very practical. There aren't that many spots at the top, right? There's only but so many. And so they were making the point that if that's what you're aspiring to be, that's great. But if you don't hit it in your current company or not the second company that you go work for, you know, you can't make, you know, yourself or that company wrong. You have to realize that there's a way that you can begin to lead. And just because your name isn't on the front door of the building when people walk in doesn't mean you can't operate to your point as an executive. Doesn't mean you can't show up everywhere you go as an executive. Right. Um, Everybody, I love when a moment feels serendipitous. I love it, right? But but they're not all day, every day, as soon as I wake up, you know, oh, great, I just won another million dollars. I didn't even know I had yeah. those numbers. None of that stuff yeah. really happens like that. It happens kind yes. of in the in the constant grind. Um, I just yes. recently did an article in Forbes, and I talked about uh, why I feel like people should stop learning new things. And it was a little bit controversial title, but I talked about the idea. Good title. Well, I, I talked about the idea because I've noticed that we're in the information age. I mean, this thing here, I mean, good gracious, I could, yeah. you know, I could pull out all kind of information I want all day, but it's the implementation of the information. Totally. It's not, it has nothing to do. Um, exactly. I, I was, I was very, that's why I say knowledge is not power. That's right. Knowledge that's been implemented <laughs> and activated. In fact, that's it's it. the exact opposite. I call it information constipation that's because <laughs> you get all filled up and nothing's moving anymore and nothing. you are having some problems. And, and so, uh, you know, and I'm not doing a, 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 a plug for somebody, but I, I just did a, we did a, a review and a video is going to come out um, for our book review. And I, I reviewed uh, Mel Robbins five second rule. You know, because I'm like, it's about practicality at the end of the day. You know, and in the article that I wrote, I talked about, you know, when we look at people and we're like, oh, they're successful. We say, oh, man, Derek, you're successful. You've done it, man. And it's like, well, actually, he got really good at doing the mundane routine stuff over and over and over and over and over again. And then somebody just happened to notice it and they called that success. Well, no, he was a success the day he decided that I'm just going to keep. I'm going to get better at this thing. Right. And so I've, I've learned that and I've just seen that. And so I wrote that article because I'm like, we have to stop having this conversation about, oh, learn this new fad, learn how to do this and shorten the time frame. And it's like, well, you didn't really implement it, though. All these tacks and all these yeah. things and all these stuff. Stri- well, here's the thing. It's, this is the irony of truth and principle is it can seem like we're contradicting ourselves because on one hand, you absolutely must be a lifelong learner right. if you're going to be a leader. Right. And again, study all the, some of the greatest leaders in every industry and in every area of life, which I've done, and you'll find, again, what are the commonalities? Now, they don't, they don't hit every box, right. but being a lifelong learner is one of them. That's right. But the other one is what you just said. 
because there's a, and also a lot of leaders, I mean, we're in a very different age now where we're, we're creating a level of information every, I forget the exact ratio, every few days that is equivalent to all the information we had up until like, you know, the year 2000. I mean, it's wow. just mind boggling right. the amount of information that is getting produced every day is like the first 2000 years of humanity. It's ridiculous. So we, we, are, we don't even evolutionarily know how to deal with it. So let's just start there. We literally are dealing with evolutionary new impulses that we have not yet developed the evolutionary adaptation for on some level. But there are principles that we can apply to help us not get taken down by this information overload. And one of them is what I was telling you before we started off with is the difference between principles, wisdom, knowledge, information, and data. And a lot of this stuff and trends and all that falls into the information, usually strategies, tactics, trends. And, and it's true. I just did a podcast not that long ago about this, which is um, it's not the big things. It's it's the little thing done over and over again. That's right. And, and because what is it really about? At the end of the day, your conditions, your environment does not determine your destiny. It is your character that does. And what's your character made of? It's built out of your habits. And your habits are built from what you do consistently, mm -hmm. no matter what. And that is determined by what are your values? What is your vision? Where are you going? What are you becoming? And when you commit to that, you build a habit. And that habit changes your character, and that new character changes your destiny. This is why Confucius said all men are alike, but it is their habits that makes the difference. And again, if you study the greatest leaders – whether you agree with all of their life, you'll find they built specific habits. And now those habits, here's the great thing about what you were saying before. What if there's only a few spots in the C-suite? What if there's this guy's never going to leave or this woman's probably never going to leave in the next 20 years? I don't have a chance here. That's not your problem. Right. Because you, you, don't, you really don't know. And it's ultimate hubris to think you know ultimately where you're meant to, be, to, to land. What's important is if you know my vision is I want to be a leader, I want to lead a business, I want to lead a company that has this kind of impact, that creates this kind of whatever, and I want to be this kind of person living this kind of life, that's what you can lean on and bank on. But where it ultimately shows up, you can't. But here's the great news. If you do what I talked about before, okay, I'm going to imagine I'm leading this company. I'm going to imagine I'm in the C-suite. I'm going to imagine I'm I'm making the difference and the impact, and then I'm going to reverse engineer it to the qualities of the habits of thinking, feeling, being, and doing, and I'm going to now work out every day on becoming that person. Now, here's the great news. Whether that project fails or that company fails or you get fired or you never get that place and you move, the habits are 100% transferable. That's right. So you cannot fail. You cannot fail because you will have become such an asset. You're the asset. You're the assets, the goose and the golden egg. They get all this gold. Like, let's just cut the goose open. There's nothing in there, but goose. That's right. <laughs> You're the asset, right? Yeah. The wealth of you is not even the things you produce in the world, like a fruit tree. And I talk about this in my new book, the abundance project. The fruit is not the wealth of the tree. That's why when all the fruit is gone, the farmer doesn't go, well, we better cut all these trees down. They know the wealth is the potential the tree intrinsically has That's right. when the roots are healthy and in due season it produces, produces, produces and, and keep 
will continue to produce. That's the same with you. But you have to take care of the tree. You have to develop the root system. You have to develop the strong trunk. You got to do all these things. Right. And that's akin to what we've been talking about. And that's principle. And no boss, no economy, no environment, no colleague, no peer, no parent can stop you from becoming the person you need to be to absolutely go out there and kick ass and, and rock. And, and you're right. And, you know, let's go back to your tree analogy, right? I think, I think here's what happens. You know, uh, the, the, the young little sprout that's sitting in a tiny, you know, you know, potted plant looks outside the window and says, Oh, I exactly. can do what that big oak tree does. I can do that right now. And I feel like that's exactly. what happens with emerging leaders, oh, right? We, we, yeah. you know, they, we look at what, what somebody else is doing and going, Oh, I could do that. I could totally do that. And it's like, well, your root system isn't that deep. You're, you, you know, you that's don't right. have the strength. You don't, you don't even have the that's trunk right. to manage all that's of that. That's right. You know, but, but we for you have guys this, that work out. For you guys that work out, or in, in women too, I guess, but it's more likely with men because we can tend to have such a big ego. Um, <laughs> you know, don't, I've done this. You know, you see the guy lifting the, Whoa, yeah, I can do it too, man. Whoa, you get right. out of there, you know, you don't work out for the next month because <laughs> you've hurt yourself so bad. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. But we can trick ourselves. I think you're about to say this. Yeah. It's like Stephen Covey talked about the law of the farm. You know, he used to wait until the night before test and then cram in order to get the right answers on the test. But he didn't learn anything, and he ended up developing ulcers and really hurting himself. You can't fake it in nature. That's right. You try to wait till the night before harvest time and just go cram the planting and plant really hard, man. Right. Burn the midnight oil. <laughs> You're not going to end up with a harvest. You're going to end up with nothing. That's right. And so – and this is the same thing. You try to fake it in the gym, you're going to hurt yourself or not develop yourself. And, and that's the trick. We can trick ourselves and, and psych ourselves out and think there's all these hacks and shortcuts. And wherever there's a legitimate hack or shortcut or strategy, if it's not backed by any principle, be cautious, be wary. And again, look at the 99. Don't look at the one exception to the rule and think that's, that's right. what I'm going to go for. Look at the other 99 people and look at how they've built a sustainable life, personally and professionally. Extract the principles and begin to practice. That's right. And you'll be the one, you know, the race does not go to the swiftest and fleetest of foot, but to he or she who endureth to the end. That's right. That's parable yeah. of the tortoise and the hare. That's you know, right. So. Wow. <laughs> um, I know that that was uh, fast and furious. I know that you were able to gain a lot out of it, but more importantly, I hope that you were able to see and you have your notes just like I have mine of content of things that you can take back, put into your hat, whether uh, you're inside of your business, for your personal life. This is a great interview and this is just the halfway point. So I hope that you have enjoyed this. Now, listen, I want you to do a couple of things. You've heard this interview. You've heard the first half. As you know, in two days, we will give you the second half of my great interview right here on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders with Derek Rydell. But in the meantime, I want you to share this with your social media family. Share it with your friends. You can also find us and tag us at High Level Wisdom on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And yes, now on YouTube. So if you want the video version of this interview, make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe, become a subscriber and share it with others. This interview was also conducted by video. So yes, you're able to get two for one, but I want to make sure that you share this. Tell us what some of your great quotes were. Make sure that you share, share, share and follow as well. And we will make sure that we follow you back. 
Thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to for you to hearing the second half of my interview with Derek right off. Take care. I hope that whatever you choose today, you do it at a high level.